Developing Tomorrow's Leaders is a podcast that is all about educating, supporting, and inspiring the next generation of leaders. Your host, Coach T, has over 35 years experience of educating, supporting, inspiring, and enhancing the lives of many young men and women. So, join Coach T and his village of inspiration. My wonderful guest today is a passionate and driven career coach who is driven by helping students find their mission. His work at Ohio Wesley University is specifically with students in social impact, humanities, and arts. He's passionate about connecting with students and resources and giving them the ability to thrive in the area of unusual fear and high stress. He received his MPA from Cleveland State University and his BA from Ohio Wesley University. Help me welcome Newton Kimberly. How are you doing today, Newton? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, the pleasure is all mine. The pleasure is all mine. So we're going to kick this thing off by just letting you tell us a little bit more about you outside of your bio, like maybe something like um, you're going to be getting married pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my uh, my my wonderful fiance, Rachel, and I just bought a house. We are uh, planning a wedding for later this year. So, you know, speaking speaking of stress and anxiety now, <laughs> um, but I am a. Uh, I, I love to work with people. I've been working working with students since I left school in 2013. Um, and, you know, coming from a place where I didn't know where my mission was and finally been able to find it, my goal has always been to to be that person that I wish I had had when I was when I was in school and to help answer some of those questions and provide some guidance. So I'm really, yeah. really excited to be here. Yeah. So one thing before we continue, um, what can I expect my invitation? Yeah. <laughs> Send me your address. It'll be in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. That's that's great. That's interesting how you said that. I like that. You wish you had had somebody in your life like what you're doing now. I think that's one of those things that some kids find out later on when they, you know, have they struggle and, and go through things and like, man, I wish I had. And I think that's why what you do at the collegiate level is so important because it shortens that that opportunity for some and eliminates it for others. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, one, one of the big factors that I, I know a lot of students are very wary of, but one of the things that I promote really clearly is looking, looking for opportunities to fail, is looking to set, your up, set yourself up for unique opportunities that might be a little outside your comfort zone, that might just be something you're not sure about that you want to try that you're not sure if it's going to work out. Um, I always tell the story when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be an architect and I did my senior project at an architecture firm and then realized I didn't want to be an architect anymore. But those kinds of lessons, you know, before I came here, I spent a year grant writing. I loved grant writing. I loved the organization I worked with, but it wasn't the right fit for me. So being able to take that leap of faith, take that opportunity, take that new chance that you have and provide some insight around that. I mean, when I was when I was at Ohio Wesleyan, it was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of great resources, but I probably didn't seek them out in the way that I should have. I probably didn't utilize them in the way that I should have, but I kind of got to catch up with some great mentors when I left school, um, some great people to bounce ideas off of to make sure I was thinking about things in the right way and framing my thoughts about my career path in the right way. Um, and that's a lot of what I do with students. A lot of my conversations with students are just sitting down talking with them about what they like doing, what they think they might be interested in, what areas of school their kind of focus and their interest is peaked in, 
and then finding where that crosses over. Or if they can't find it, we'll help make the thing that helps cross it over. Yeah. Well, you may say something really interesting. And I, I like that is when you were talking about the things that you were doing in the grant writing and being an architect and like, but I think that's the other message that hidden message in that too, is you're still gaining some skills and some experience and something else, because if it ever comes back full circle, it's not going to be totally new to you. Absolutely. And that's, that's definitely one of the, one of the things I try to talk to people about just because especially with you know, I got my first job was at a sub shop. My first, my second job was raking sand traps at a golf course. Like all of those things may not, you know, they're not on my resume today. You know, I, I'm more than happy to talk about them, but every one of them gave me a skill that I used and I utilized and I move forward with. Like if you go work for a big corporation, it doesn't work out. Well, what did you learn there? What can you carry on into your next work? And for a lot of it, for a lot of like, you know, food service or retail or those kinds of things, a lot of people just write those off immediately. You write those off as, oh, you know, it's a job. Everyone's done it. You know, everyone knows what that is. But there are so many different ways. And we've really worked closely with students to try to get them to frame their experiences in a way that makes more sense. Yes, I worked at a sub shop, but I got to train two people. That shows a little bit of management experience. I was trusted to close and open. That shows a lot of trust and a lot of good communication. Like finding the little skills and the little things embedded in the experiences that might not have been the best or might not have worked out. I feel like that's what makes you good moving forward. That's what keeps you open to those kinds of opportunities. And I feel like it's, it's a necessary step in today's workforce. Cause I, I can't remember the statistic, but everyone's bound to have like six or seven jobs before they find their career. Or it's, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it's a little bit of a bounce. And if you're not taking anything from any of those opportunities, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to grow. You're really not giving yourself a good framework to be able to learn from other people in other industries doing things that you might not know how to do or know want to do, but everything is a step towards where you're going. Um, one of the best quotes that I, I'm getting put into a poster to put above my door of my office is direction is primary, distance is secondary. I like is that. Knowing the way you want to go is a hard step but it's so much more important because then you can start getting on that path. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you're describing that, you know, talking about different jobs that people have had, as you're saying, that it took me back to my very first job was at McDonald's. Was it? Well, yeah. So I started working and I ended up working like 80 hours a week. You know why mm -hmm. I started working eight hours a week? They could count on me to show up. Yep. When people didn't come to work, I was the first person they called and I always said yes. Yep. Next thing that led to, I ended up being the system manager. Yep. And, you know, so to your point, I mean, but now granted, I would, you couldn't pay me enough to go back to it, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It taught me first and foremost that I had managerial skills and they knew that I, they thought I had that and they gave me the opportunity. And, you know, years later, I can, I'm telling you right now, I learned from my experience because I can recall on it. If Absolutely. something was that bad that you can't reference it, then yeah, you didn't learn anything. <laughs> But if right. you're bringing it back up, that means it taught you something. That experience was meaningful enough for you to share it. Absolutely. Yeah. I always, I always tell students in one of the weird, I get the most, I get the weirdest looks in my office for this is you can make a job at Subway sound better than the presidency of the United States. If you word it right. If you talk about your experience, right. You talk about your skills, you talk about what you learned, all of that. You can make every job sound like it's the best job you've ever had. It's just finding that framing and finding the right way to talk about it. 
Well, it's interesting. Somebody said to me about uh, three months ago in a Zoom call, it was a networking call, and a friend of mine, and she goes, yeah, you know how I know you love what you do? And I'm like, no. She goes, every time you start talking about it, you get really animated and your face lights up. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah. And I'm like, really? So I said, well, I'm going to start recording it. I recorded one of our sessions. We meet like every week, you know, just have chit chat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I do. And it's one of those things that I share with, I talk about it, but sometimes you don't realize that you are practicing what you preach. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's not fake and you don't have to make up things to make people convince them that what you want them to do with it. Oh, I love working with kids. If I said it like that, you're like, no, you don't. You yeah. like <laughs> right. I can see it. Come on. You're right. right. Yeah. yeah. But when you are like, I always talk about like love and passion. I mentioned this in previous episodes, you know, you like stuff, then you don't like stuff. You love stuff, then you don't love stuff. And my analogy, when I used was, I used to love Hot Pockets, you know, and <laughs> Now I used to eat them so much when I was single. I used to buy them by the 12, the 12 pack of mm-hmm. them, right? That was my dinner almost in my lunch almost daily. Yep. You couldn't pay me enough today to buy one <laughs> because I ate so many of them. But you like stuff, you love stuff, you don't love them. But when you find something that you're passionate about, I mean, it literally fuels your life. Um, I know for me it does. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I'm right there with you. That was bagel bites for me in college. That's I ate. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't pay me to touch another one of those. But yeah, finding, I mean, finding that thing you care. And a lot of people say like, oh, that doesn't sound like a job. That doesn't sound like something I can do with it. And especially, you know, thinking about finding what you love and turning it into, a, you know, a full-time job or at least, you know, a passion or something I know can be really intimidating. And that kind of stuff you don't know until you try. You don't know yeah. until you get out and, you know, you try something new that, oh, didn't work out. That's not what I want to do. But here's what I learned about myself. Here's what I'm going to carry forward. Here's how I'm going to, you know, make this into my next step from here. And it, I, I mean, the number one, I tell students every time they walk in my office, I say, you're going to get so annoyed because I'm going to say growth about a thousand times during our meeting. But that's what it's all about all your work experience, all your volunteer experience, all your class projects, all your relationships, your mentors, all of it is moving towards growth and moving towards helping you get where you want to go, even if you don't know where that is yet. And if you don't, that's entirely okay. Trust me, I, I still like half the time, I think, you know, I like to make hot sauce in my spare time. I'm like, oh, I could go do that. But I, I can't step away from this, you know, something like this. This is, this is my calling. This is where I want to be. I love you know, working with students. I love helping to make a difference and just, I'm, I'm in a very special place that I get to bring a lot of my insight into my role um, as opposed to just like a, correct, a regular career connection role. You know, I get to work specifically with students in areas that I'm really passionate about, that I have experience in so that I can share a little bit more of that reflective nature as opposed to just kind of giving some general job advice. Um, so it makes it really worth it. And I love my work, yeah. That part, we're, we're talking about the passion part. I think one of the other misconceptions uh, for young people, too, is they think that their passion has to have a price tag or a salary attached to it. Mm-hmm. That is where I think there's a, bis- a big disconnect with them as well. So, well, I don't want to, that doesn't pay a lot of money. You make of it what you will. Mm-hmm. If you're passionate about it, it will give, it will provide you everything that you want and more because it's not all about monetary gain. 
Absolutely. And I know that that's, you know, with everything going on in the world, I know making, making a comfortable salary is okay. You know, doing what, doing what you care about. I always like thinking about the kind of role I can't remember. I was hearing a, a guy talk. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was one of those like get rich quick theme things, but I, I like to listen in just to hear what they're saying sometimes. And he said, he would, I would rather spend 20 years miserable every day, shoveling horse manure and get to retire early than doing a job I love for 40 years. And I walked out at that point. I, mm. I don't understand that. I like finding something you care about. Yes. It may not be the most high paying job. It may not, you know, you're not getting paid the same as a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. But if, if you're comfortable, if you can do what you want to do, if you can support you and your family and you like the work, you care about the work, you'll find that they take care of you in other ways. It's not about money. It's about, healthcare. It's about professional development. It's about mentorship opportunities. It's about personal growth. It's about skill development. I mean, all of those different things come into play. And I feel like from a first job, that's harder to see from the price tag. You know, you see that salary and that's really all you can kind of see when you're coming out and you're getting your first job, you're getting your first salary job or hourly job. But I always tell people, reach out to the people that work there. Make sure the company fits the right fit for you. Make sure they take care of their people because that's going to matter just as much as the work you do. If you feel beaten down and if you feel like you don't belong there and that it's not a good fit, that's going to affect your mental status. Every time you walk in the door, whether it's to the office, to your home, to your bedroom, that's going to follow you everywhere. So finding something that you care about. Yeah. Having a nice salary is nice, but having an organization that takes care of you, makes sure that you're healthy, your family's healthy, that you have everything you need to succeed that trumps money for me just about every time. And I have actually been in that situation years ago. I had a job and it was a friend of mine, a good friend calls. I actually had called him about getting a letter of recommendation. He goes, yeah, I'd love to. And I told him why he goes, Oh, well, I'm looking for somebody to fill that position too. And I knew that it was a higher paying job than what I was probably going to get somewhere. And I'm like, really? You know what? That should have been a red flag anyway. Never work with your friends. That is so true. And I'm I'm going to share with everybody why, because I've not shared this story before. So this is a great opportunity to share this. So he drive, I drive six hours for my initial interview and you go, I'm like, wow, this is great. It's great. And then he says, now, you know, this is a package deal. You know, your wife's got to be good with it too. So we set up a second one so she can come and visit the, the place and in the town and all that stuff. I'm like now, see, I like that. That's a good approach. Thinking about family. Great. Yeah, sounds good. So why bring my wife? I'm like, oh yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. I lasted three months. I just woke up one day. I said, I can't do it. I never saw my wife. And as soon as I did it, the best feelings, like a huge burden had been lifted. I had no job lined up and I go from being um, assistant general manager of a country club to having no job and know how I work my way back into it. I started waiting tables. Hey, set your side of pride, do what you have to do to get back to where you were. And it took me four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was right back where I need to be with a job that same job that was more fulfilling and it gave me everything I need. So I needed that experience to grow back to what you're talking about. Every experience allowed you the opportunity to grow. I grew from that, but I'm not going to lie to you. It was a shame that I just up and quit a job because I had never done that before, but I knew it was something that had to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think when, when you're considering looking at jobs, and I know that consideration of leaving is a really hard one, but taking a step back and looking at how you are mentally, I mean, I, I promote, you know, a lot of talk about mental health and physical health and all of those kinds of things. And, you know, being successful at work plays very heavily into your mental status. If you are doing well mentally, you'll find yourself doing better at certain kinds of things. And if you're, you know, if you find that that kind of work is coming home with you, it's dragging you down, it's making you feel defeated, like all of those kinds of things, I found that that works its way into my life. That if I'm feeling that way at work, I'm feeling that way at home. I'm feeling that way when I'm out with my friends. I'm feeling that way when I get ready for bed, like all of those different kinds of things. So that's always something that's, I feel like it's not talked about enough. I feel like that side of it is like, oh, you know, just keep your nose to the grindstone. It's like, no, if, if it hurts too much, like take your nose off the grindstone. You gotta, something needs to happen. You gotta make a change. Yeah, you do. You absolutely have to make change and back to your point about, you know, the get rich quick schemes when ads and things of that nature, they, you know, me, I'm like you, I watch them for the humor because, you know, Hey, do you want to quit your nine to five and make six figures in three months? I'm like, okay, let me see here. Now, if right. it was that easy, who do you think would be doing that? Right. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And, w- and would you really be selling your secrets if you knew how to do it? Thank you. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Because <laughs> now all you're doing is inviting competition. Right. And why would you do that? If, if you're in an industry, whether it's, I'm trying to think of some of the big, big ones like drop shipping or Amazon selling or those kinds of things, why would you be letting more people into your competitive marketplace? Like, right. Yeah. You're trying to corner the market, right? Right. Not share yeah. the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we both find the humor in that. It always, every time I see those ads on YouTube or anywhere else, it always, uh, it always makes me laugh. Oh yeah, it, it is. It is. It's funny to me. And, and then I don't know about you, but I actually start looking in the background. <laughs> no, I see the person and then I'm like, okay, let me see how credible is this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't give you anything. This is the other thing nope. about, what people have to listen to when people are selling you on something. Yes. When people are offering your job, but you're also looking for the right job. So I always tell kids, um, I just had the conversation with a kid last week. He's going from middle school to high school. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about the transition from playing for me in middle school. The game's going to be faster. The expectations mm-hmm. for coaches are different, but I want to share something with you. Something I've always told you here. If you ever have something to say, you say it because you have to have a voice in your growth, in your personal growth. Yes, we're adults, but we don't know everything and we don't know what you don't tell us. Right. And right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially with that kind of stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll be straight with you. I was, I was five, one and weighed 90 pounds soaking wet until I was 18. So to, like the ability to have a voice and to, to speak up, even though, you know, I, I felt, I felt short, I felt small. I felt like I wasn't included in a lot of stuff. But, you know, through a lot of a lot of great relationships, I learned that the only way to get what you want, the only way to get what you're looking for is you got to let people know, because otherwise they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. And if that if that puts you down because you didn't say anything and it lifts them up, then you got to take that opportunity to strike back and be able to say, no, like, here's what I need. Here's what I need to succeed. Here's the kind of tools that that I need to learn. Yeah. So getting to back to the students that you work with, there's yeah. a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, what are the a couple of the biggest um, 
things that you notice right away when you first meet kids as far as, because obviously you're going to be giving them guidance and direction. What mm-hmm. is the one area that you see or top two, if you will, that you see that are jump out to you right away? Yeah. I mean, I think the first one is networking. I think the first, uh, you know, the ability to create relationships and to reach out to people you don't know, to find out more. I always use it as kind of a fact finding thing first. Like building a network is tough. Hey, here we found an alumni who works in this kind of field. What if we set up a phone call so you can just talk with them about what the job is like? What's the industry like? What kind of things are you working on for there? Because networking can be an extraordinarily intimidating process. I mean, these are professionals in the field who are doing what you want to be doing. They're people who have a lot of years of experience. And I hear very commonly, well, why would they talk to me? Like they're, they're a big wig. I'm a sophomore in college. Why would they talk to me? And the thing I always tell them is they want to see the next generation grow. They want to give back, especially we always focus on alumni first to be able to connect with. But like any professional in that field, if they have half an hour to talk about how you know, here's what I wish I had known when I was your age. Here's how I, here's what I wish I had known that could have helped me succeed. You know, here's the lessons I wish I had learned. I have found so many students flip around from being, you know, intimidated and a little bit timid. And, you know, a year later, they're wizards in their field, just because they've taken that time to connect and find mentors and build relationships um, and just put themselves out there. Um, I think the second biggest thing is, I I think it comes back to confidence. I think it comes back to knowing what you want, like you said, knowing how to ask for it, knowing how to represent yourself well, but it comes back to talking about past jobs too. It comes back to talking about your skills, you know, how I know that I will be an asset to your company, but how will your company be an asset to me? You're going to help me grow. How will you, how will I help you grow? Like everything is a two-way street, whether it's an interview, whether it's a job opportunity, whether it's, you know, a a meeting, any kinds of those things are all built on the system of it's a two-way street. And I feel like a lot of people just don't grasp that you can get as much as they can get from you. You just have to know how to approach it and how to handle it. Um, So, I mean, I see students ranging from ones who've known they wanted to be a psychologist since they were five all the way up to the ones who are graduating next month and you know still are very confused on what they want to do. And so I really like that our office really has turned to a mission-based approach as opposed to a job-based approach. And I feel like it makes conversations around those two things a lot easier. Like what kind of work do you want to be doing? What kind of populations do you want to work with? What problems do you want to solve as opposed to what job title do you want? And a lot of times that's a lot easier to rationalize and to come up with an answer for than, hey, what do you want your job title to be in five years? Like no one knows the answer to that. But yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, as you're explaining that, I'm I'm thinking about leadership. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about them asking questions, you know, it's they're sending a message to a potential employer when they're going you ask the question, hey, what can I expect from your company? I know what you expect from me if I get this opportunity. The subliminal message that they don't realize they're, they're passing on is, oh, this is somebody that knows what they want. So that means that they, are, they could be potentially overachievers. Um, and this is who we want to have here, people with voices that have opinions. 
Absolutely. I think a lot of people, when they enter jobs, they think, well, I got to do everything they say. That's that's what I do. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize those are those some of those people that say, oh, I've been working the same company for 40 years and I'm miserable. Well, that's because you've just been doing everything they want you to do for 40 years without having a voice, without going, well, if I do this long enough, I'll get a promotion. No, you mm-hmm. have to go, hey, listen, there's an opportunity to open up. I want to let you know I'm interested in that position. Now the boss like, okay, well, let me see what kind of work you've done. Well, you already know that they're going to be looking at what your work, the work you're doing. So Absolutely. obviously you're going to step up your game because you just told me you want the job, right? Right. The promotion. And I think that that's one of the things that's so important about what you do too, is you lay that foundation for them to be able to do just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes back to, to challenging. I mean, thankfully I've been very, very blessed to have a lot of jobs that have you know, promoted the idea of challenging what's happening within an organization. How can we make it better? How can we make it more efficient? How can we, you know, get it to more students, all of those different kinds of things. And, you know, I'll be honest, I've, I've been, you know, with the team for a little under two years. I've, some of my programs have not done well. Some of my programs have, you know, had two attendants or one attendant or no attendance. And, you know, from those kinds of things, if you, if you let that sit in you, if you take that as an, if you take that as a loss, if you, oh, it's all my fault. I did all this, nothing good comes of that. But if you take that as, Hey, how did I market it? How did I, what can I make changes to it? What kind of programs might be more engaging? Did I get enough student engagement? Like thinking about all of those things and challenging a, your own ideas, let alone the organization's ideas the organizations that are the, are successful that I've found are the ones that promote that, who want that, who want to see how it can be improved. You have to learn from your failures because mm-hmm. what you, you take away, what did work or what didn't work. Absolutely. Um, I want to go back one word when I was talking about uh, the leadership part. Yeah. You know, uh, an example of kind of what you're talking about when you're dealing with employers, some employers already know the kind of employees they want. Mm-hmm. They want those that are just going to follow rules, do what we say, I'm the boss, this is what I want it to be. And then you have those that are like, hey, you know what, I want people to have uh, minds and thoughts and suggestions and are willing to challenge the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in a situation where I had a uh, boss and I learned more things not to do than I did to do. But in early on, kind of what you were saying, I took it personally when things, you know, when he did, when he challenged a lot or just didn't give into it. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute. Number one, I know it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Number two, I know it works because it worked where I was before. And that's mm-hmm. where I learned it from. Right. And I'm trying to bring <laughs> it to you to show you that it works. Didn't want to hear anything of it. Ironically. The other staff supported it because they loved the idea. He was apprehensive. Well, we applied it. Flawless. Never said good job. Mm-hmm. Never said, I appreciate you bringing that. But it validated for me that he wanted to be in charge. And that's what that was. So it taught me as a, when I went and became a general manager after that, mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to be that kind of boss. So when my interview processes, the questions they want that I would like for them to ask, I ask them. So I pull it from them if they don't offer it. Absolutely. Well, and I've found that students really do have a meter for that, that they can sense that in an interview. The way you ask the questions, the way you frame it, you know, you ask about their work culture. You can tell a lot about how an organization treats their employees from how they talk about them. 
And you'll find that the ones that are open to the kind of things you just talked about, the ones that are open to innovation and change are the ones that have employees who have been there for 10, 20, 30 years. And the ones that might be a little bit more rigid and a little more stiff are the ones with a lot of turnover because it, mm -hmm. it comes down to, you know, that the phrase work family is one that like I have had, I've been very lucky to have more than a couple work families in my life. And that work family, when they come in and they take care of you and they, you know, push for ideas, they push for innovation, they push for change. Those are the kinds of places that help pick you up after you fall, not put you down saying it's all your fault. And those are the kinds of places we find that students want to work at. And they're getting, they're getting really good at seeing through, seeing through the lines that companies might have been giving people for a long time. But I also think that's a generational thing, too, that the old school way of running businesses doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think of Simon Sinek, uh, I believe his name is, um, he did a talk and he was talking about this next generation. And he was talking about the failures of corporations. And what they're doing is they're bringing in a very energetic, um, innovative group of young people. Mm -hmm that want to make change, they want to be a part of something good, but they don't allow them to be. And then when, when they don't, uh, when they challenge what they want to do, they make it harder. And then those, those young people don't stay long. Mm -hmm. So those years of 20, 30, 40 years of places doesn't happen as much as it used to because Absolutely. of the the corporate environment. And it's unfortunate, but that, that's one of the reasons what you do is so important is because you're giving them the tools to go, hey, you know, I'm in control of my future and you can be in control of yours. So these are the tools that you need to get there. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's a forever process. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend everybody is, you know, with every piece of ammo they could need when they leave a, uh, a session, but at least those kind of tools lead you to be prepared for when the next lesson comes around. You know, whether you're 15, whether you're 20, whether you're 40, whether you're 80, like, I feel like everybody is always constantly learning, constantly learning about yourself, constantly learning about the kind of work you want to do, the things that make you happy. I mean, it is a forever process, but if you, if you start it right, it's a really enjoyable one that you're going to, every bump, you're going to look back five years later and be like, Oh, remember when I did that? Like all of that kind of stuff stays with you. And it really I don't know. I feel like yeah, I, that phrase, you really got to have the, the ups to have the downs. I feel like that comes, that comes really, really in play, especially with jobs. Yep. And my brother's mentioned to me uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I was telling him about some stuff and he goes, why are you so excited? You know, why are you so surprised by the progress you've made? He goes, sometimes you have to stop and look back mm -hmm. to see how far you've come. Absolutely. And I'm like, I'm like, what? He goes, stop. Think about where you were. Think about where you are now. Think about how the work that you put in to get here. And he goes, you don't see it as work because it's what you're passionate about. And yeah. all you've done is put your head down and stay true to what you want to accomplish. And that's why you're where you are. So now our conversations have changed. When I call to tell me anything, I don't say, hey, guess what? I say, hey, just wanted to fill you in on. I'm yep. not excited about it. I'm just letting you know because I anticipated it. So he helped Absolutely. me change my thought process, you know, and, and don't get excited because something goes well. If you anticipate success, you will get success and you won't be surprised by it. You're just ready for the next challenge. Absolutely. And that comes with confidence. That comes with, you know, your ability to talk about yourself, your accomplishments, all those things. I do something similar in my office, the radiator behind my desk is where I keep my name tags. 
I keep my Debella's name tag from that first sub shop I worked in right next to my work name tag, just so I always remember, you know, hey, I started out making sandwiches, but I learned a lot. I've grown a lot. You know, I've had great mentors, great lessons, great teachers, and they've gotten me where I am today. So why can't I be that that mentor, that lesson, that teacher for somebody else? Right. No, no. Great, great point. Not, I don't think I have my McDonald's hat, but I guess I could probably, you know, they don't even make the hats like that. <laughs> you know, with the paper ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The paper oh, ones. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That was me. Oh, my gosh. And the knit uniforms. Oh, my gosh. I could, that smell's coming back to me now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I should never brought that up. <laughs> so, I know where you're um, going for lunch right now. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I can't eat McDonald's. No, no, no. I know what you mean. Oh, it just, it, it just, it's not the same. Number one, mm-hmm. you know, they've changed ingredients and so many different things. I just read the other day, by the way, do you know, they don't have a Big Mac anymore. I don't it's, know if I've ever noticed that. Well, I just read it said with the big wit and in the, in the headline said with the Big Mac being gone from the menu. I'm like, I didn't even know that. I never ate it, but I didn't know. I made enough of them in my life that I never want to have one. <laughs> right. You see how it's made. You don't really want it anymore, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to throw this one out at you. So I remember the terminology when it got busy. So whenever we're you know cooking whatever and a bus pulled in the parking lot mm-hmm. and we knew we we're going to get crazy, this is what management would say. I guess I used to say it too. They would say uh, 12 and 6 alternate pull A. You have any idea what that means? No, I don't. Yeah. So 12 and six means 12 hamburgers and six Big Macs. Mm-hmm. Alternate pull a when you pull them, you lay 12 and six more. Mm. So that means you just kind of crank them out, crank them out. So, yeah. So you're talking about remembering from like your first job. I remember that terminology, man. So I'm sharing. Oh, for I sure. haven't forgotten. Right. That sticks Good. with you. It really does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. So um, anyway, I want to ask you a couple of questions before we finish up. Yeah, please. Uh, number one, what are you working on now? Anything new or just kind of can, can I continue the programs that you have in place now? Yeah, I mean, I'm always constantly working on updating. I'm, I'm the kind of person who always is trying to reanalyze um, how things are, how things are done, how things are laid out, how we can do them better. Um, so I'm currently analyzing, you know, I do a lot of post analysis for my programs with a lot of surveys just to, to try to get as much information as I can. So I'm currently working on redeveloping some programs that either worked really well or didn't work very well last year, Um, developing some new resources for students at the university, whether it be around, um, I know right now we're working on like a government application portal. So if you're interested in in doing an internship or a volunteer position or a job with the government, like that system can be very convoluted. So making some resources and some materials for students to help make that process a little bit less intimidating. I'm always reaching out to um, our alumni to try. We have a great program called the Alumni Partners Program, which are basically, you know, the equivalent of, you know, signing a contract with us for a year to put your face and your email address on our website for students to contact with questions. Um, So I'm always recruiting for that, trying to bring in new blood, trying to bring in new people to be able to network with students, especially in some of our more underrepresented areas. Um, And I mean, the other big project, I'm working on this house. I'm doing a lot yeah. of work on this house. I'm, I'm changing a garbage disposal over the weekend. Never done that before. Wow. Um, and just making sure I take care of myself. I mean, that's, I'll, I'll be straight with you. I got off a call with my therapist about two hours before we got on here. I yeah. mean, making sure that I'm in a good mental headspace and making sure I'm equipped to handle the problems that come up, whether it be in my personal life and my work life, 
in, in just about everything. I always, always want to be prepared as I can. So whether it's work or play, I'm, I'm always trying to find myself learning something. No, that's, that's good. Garbage disposal, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, we moved listen, into a house yeah. as is and it didn't work. So I got to, got to figure out how to change that. But <laughs> welcome to my world. We've been in this house, I think eight years mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, we do. I've learned how to do a lot because of YouTube. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So brace yourself, my friend. This is just the beginning, but it's fun to hey, learn. Yeah. I look forward to it. My, my dad is one of those, uh, I can fix everything. Why would I call somebody to come do it? Right. So I've learned a lot from him. And like you said, you can learn how to fix just about anything on YouTube now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and my, my, uh, father-in-law, he's like that. He, he can build and fix anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, he builds, builds hot rods. I mean, builds houses. I mean, oh, he just, wow. he's built houses, he builds his house. He lives it. So anytime oh there's something now I call and ask him, I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Because as soon as I say something's wrong, he's boom, he's over here. Gets right. it done. <laughs> and I'm like, well, look, you're not going to always be here, man. <laughs> I got to right. figure this out myself and I'm not paying somebody thousands of dollars. But it only cost me 20 to do it myself. Right. And so, you know, he's a priest for that, but I'll say, Hey, you know, this is what you got to do. I had to, I've had to change the kit, uh, the sink, uh, the bathroom sink. Mm -hmm. I've had to, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on, but I'm just sharing with you. It's, it's going to be fun. It's oh. going to be challenging, but it'll be fun. And, right. um, have four things you need to understand, cause you're going to be getting married. So let me, a man of 18 years share Please. with you the four rules of being married. Okay. Okay. These are four things you got to remember to say. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I love you. Yep. Remember those four things you'll be married for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, the good news is, is I'm pretty good at saying all four of them already. So <laughs> I'll just keep it going. <laughs> I don't know what I got to edit that out because my wife will listen to this. <laughs> Oh, that is too no, funny. Then again, I might leave it in there. She goes, I've trained you well. Yeah, <laughs> you're learning. Yeah. <laughs> I know, learning. After 18, it's only taken 18 years, but you're getting it. If you're sharing <laughs> with another man, then you got it, mister. <laughs> now, my last question for you is, um, who is the most influential person or has been or is in your life? Oh, that is a really tough question. Um you know, I am only where I am today because of the amazing mentors that I've had along the way, you know, to throw out some names, uh, Dan Sharp from the Columbus Foundation, Phyllis Harris from the LGBT Center, all of them, Charles Gibson, um, all of them really helped me to focus on not what does an organization want you to do or what does a job want you to do, but what do you care about? You know, what aspect of this are you interested in? What, how can we make you better at your job? How can we give you the tools that you need? Um, and I, you know, especially from an employer, I had never really had that before. So having that ability to, to be open, to be honest, to be blunt, to be scared, to be, you know, um, questioning everything. I mean, that has really helped to, to make me who I am. I mean, the, the support and love of my family, I wouldn't be here without that either. I mean, that is, that is crucial to who I am as a person and how I, how I do everything. I mean, one of my other role models is, a uh, used to be a coach in the NFL. His name's Tony Dungy. Yeah. He, uh, he was just, uh, I grew up in the Indianapolis area and just watching him, you know, throw a ragtag group of guys together, watching him succeed, watching him thrive. You know, his autobiography is one of the most read books on my bookshelf. I mean, he is just, uh, an incredible man that preaches, you know, love and acceptance and 
you know, growth and learning and tolerance and all of those things. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to have a lot of them. I'm thankful to try to spread them as much as I can through my work and my interactions with people. But, you know, it's the, the main lesson that I was taught early is leave the world a better place than you found it. And I feel like all of those role models, all of my family, all of those people have helped me to really, you know, feel like I'm making a difference to really help, help people in a way that a lot of people aren't getting help. And I'm just very thankful for that opportunity. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, you're the first person to have a long list of people like that. And everybody has different, no, yeah. and then wait, but you've recognized that all those people have had an impact in your life and you want to acknowledge that. And, and I think that that speaks volumes to your character as well. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, yeah. and I really appreciate you taking time out, you know, and getting your new house and taking time out of fixing the garbage disposal to come and <laughs> talk with talk with me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, like you said, we had such a good conversation the first time. I mean, I, I think that we, we're, we're kind of on a similar wavelength with a lot of things and it's nice to, to talk with someone who, who is trying to promote the same things you are. So, right. Yes, 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 absolutely. Well, we're definitely going to stay in touch and, and like yeah. I said, uh, maybe invite you to come back on, you know, once you, uh, right now I need to worry about at least got to wait at least four months till to get met him make it six because I'm sure you're going to mess up. She's going to rough you up. You might be laid up for a couple of months. So what I'll probably do is wait till the first of the year. That'll give you plenty of time to mend. That that sounds great. Well, even if it's, you know, whatever it is, I'd love to just chat with you, pick your brain about stuff and, you know, keep talking about how we can work to, to help make the world a better place than we found it. Oh, absolutely, my man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Newton. And yeah. uh, I will um, be in touch with you, my friend. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. As always, folks, I am Coach T. I'm here to educate, support, and inspire the next generation of leaders. Till next time, see ya. Coach T's new book, The Ultimate Guide to Success for Preteens and Teens, is the perfect resource for preteen and teen personal growth and development skills. It includes some of his success stories, as well as former and current student testimonials. Order your copy today on Amazon. Available in paperback and hardback.